Hey, welcome to episode 68 of Inbound Agency Journey. And today we're excited to kick off season six here with Tom DeCipio. Tom is on the team at Impact Branding and Design. And in this episode, he lays out their complete sales process from how they work their database on the prospecting side to how they set up exploratory calls and make sure that they are maximizing the calls that they hit each week so that they can hit their quarterly close numbers and continue to grow the agency according to their plan. This is an awesome interview where Tom just lays out the whole process process. And what I took away from this was that the power of process is unignorable. If you have a system in place and the discipline to follow that system, you're eventually going to hit success. You just have to keep working through that process. Tom and Kyle up there at Impact are doing awesome things. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Without further ado, folks, here we go. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. Uh, Tom, welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. We're fired up to have you here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure. We got just a chat um, up at the awesome, awesome event that you guys threw uh, a few weeks ago now, um, and you shared some awesome insights about your the sales process up at Impact Branding and Designs, and so we're really excited to just bring some of that expertise here to the podcast. Cool. Yeah, I'd love to share it. Um, it really came out of uh, a need to explore more of our database, right? So we had a really huge database and we certainly weren't taking advantage of it. So I hope to share some insights on how we did that. So before we jump into all that, do you want to give us a little bit of a background on your role at Impact and how you got to that position where you are today? Sure. Um, so it's, it's, I'll try to keep it as short as possible. Um, so my current role right now is Chief Strategy Officer and I basically manage all new business uh, within the organization. So when you go to our consultation page and you fill that out, um, you're going to be talking to Kyle, our business development rep, and he's going to set you up in a conversation with me, and we're going to talk about ways to increase traffic leads and sales in your organization. Um, I wasn't always in this role. I started out as Impact's first employee um, in a design role. So uh, Bob needed somebody to use Illustrator and Photoshop, and, and I went to school for that. So I came on board and started designing some logos and some business cards and some really traditional stuff, which was fun. Um, and from that point, I started to uh, gather more responsibility around uh, website development um, and some uh, increased design load um, and eventually started hiring people underneath me. Um, so I started to manage some of the creative folks there. And as we scaled and grew over time, I started to manage uh, a group of uh, clients and um, another team of, of marketers below me as well. And then from there, uh, we, we, we had gone through, in complete transparency, we had gone through a few salespeople uh, at the time, and we were really trying to figure out our stride and, like, what are we going to, you know, what kind of person are we going to have in the seat that's really going to work? And Bob came to me and he's like, Tom, can you do sales? <laughs> and I basically said, I don't know, yeah. but I'll try. <laughs> um, my previous sales experience was just selling, you know, a couple things in my freelance life, and then maybe a, a couple websites at Impact. Uh, but what happened was pretty incredible. Um, it turns out that people really just want to have conversations. 
just like we're doing right now. And that applies really closely to this inbound sales process. And I found my, my spot in a sales role and I've been doing that for the past, uh, I think, two, two and a half years now at Impact. So that's where I am now. That's fantastic. What was that transformation like, kind of moving to that role where you hadn't, you didn't have deep roots and as a sales background? Was there like a, a steep learning curve for you or did it kind of just happen pretty naturally because of that conversational approach? Yeah, there, I think there were two things that really changed in my demeanor and my approach was the first, how, you know, asking a lot of questions. I think I had gone from a state where as a consultant on a marketing side or a web developer, you have to tell the client like, hey, here's the best thing for you to do. And a lot of times it's based on your previous experience. As you're going into the sales process, it's very much the opposite, right? That you want to help them to find that answer themselves by asking the right questions. Mm. Um, so that was a huge shift in my mindset going into that role. And I, I learned very quickly, especially through the HubSpot training, um, that it should be really you know, a 60-40 or a 70-30 split between questions and recommendations that you're making to them and guidance. Um, the next thing was really the adjustment of time. I never realized how much time sales took. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I'd, it, it had gone from me being in a room full of people uh, to me kind of siloing myself in a back room and making sure that I had silence. So when I was talking on the phone, I had you know, complete attention given to them. And that's uh, if I had to go from you know, one sales meeting to another, that I could easily transition and not have to move around. Um, and that was a, a huge change for me. So, um, but I tell you what, I love it and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of that. So those that's are the, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So how has the role evolved? Um, how have you begun to implement process? Cause now there's, you have a full team kind of on the biz dev side. So can you kind of talk us through how you grew, um, the sales role and kind of the whole organization there? Sure. So when I first stepped into the seat, um, we were a little bit in our infancy stage of, um, I guess what you would call the, the EOS model, the entrepreneurial operating system model, where we would set quarterly objectives and then you know work for that entire quarter to reach those objectives. We never really had that in place. So my position in the sales role was to just get new business in the door, whatever I could, um, and, and just kind of have a steady pace of growth and a steady new amount of customers coming in. Um, and the real shift happened when we started to set these quarterly objectives um, that a certain number of you know, clients would have to be closed in a certain period of time at a certain amount. Um, and what we were realizing is that we were getting a good amount of you know, uh, bottom of the funnel request to consultation uh, you know, type of form fills there. Uh, but there was this massive database of let's say 30,000 people uh, that we weren't really doing much with besides sending, uh, you know, blog, new blog articles to, maybe sending some ebooks to, uh, but it was just sitting there. And, you know, Bob and I were kind of looking at each other and talking with the rest of the leadership team and saying, there is a ton of opportunity in here and we're not doing anything with it. Okay. So with that being said, we decided to hire somebody who would in, be in the, the BDR position, business development rep. Um, I know HubSpot calls them SDRs sales development rep, um, and their sole purpose um, at the company uh, is to look through this database, sort it in a way that makes sense, where they can find the most qualified opportunities, and set them up to have conversations with me so we can effectively, you know, almost double 
uh, our uh, bottom of the funnel uh, conversations that we're having or sales qualified conversations that we're having. Okay. And, and that was how that need came about. Gotcha. So what is the, um, I want to talk about two things around this. Like, first of all, like personality and hiring for that position. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get there, what does some of the criteria look like when you're looking at a database that large, how are you, how are you kind of efficiently working those opportunities? Uh, is it lead scoring? What's the breakdown that you're using to, to shrink that list down into the, the warmest folks? Absolutely. Uh, well, the first exercise we had to do, and I'm sure a lot of agencies have gone through this, is really identify who is your ideal client. If you look at your existing client base and you see trends between you know, what makes a client ideal and what, what doesn't, you'll come out with some kind of a matrix that says, you know, I want to work with clients between this revenue number and this revenue number. And I want to work with clients who are in, you know, let's say the software space, or I want to work with clients who are in the, the manufacturing space. Once you've defined that very clearly, it gives you a better idea of how to segment the the people within that database um, because you've probably been doing a pretty good job of gathering the information from those people through your marketing automation software, in this case, in many cases, HubSpot, um, which will tell you that information. So starting, starting with that part of the identification. Then we started to look at it from a behavior standpoint. So what are they doing that leads them to be qualified? Um, and in our initial, uh, in, we actually implemented lead scoring to, sh- to show us which are the more valuable behaviors. In our initial lead scoring setup, uh, we had it as there being two of three things that they, that they did that would say they were sales qualified for us upon already having met the previous criteria that I just talked about. So uh, the industry they're in, uh, what role they are in the company, so on and so forth. Um, but that criteria was um, they had visited our request a consultation and um, our team page or another About Us page. And the reason we had that was um, if they did those things, we noticed that they were farther along in the sales process, right? If somebody's looking at who you are um, as a person, your experience, they're probably more in the consideration stage to say, who am I actually going to end up working with at your specific company? Yeah. Um, if they've gotten to the consultation page, um, they're, again, showing signs of, of being closer to that state of like, I want to enter the sales process with you. I'm, I'm raising my hand here. Um, so if they did those two things, we'd give them a lead score that basically said they were sales qualified. The other one that got them right to uh, sales qualification status was if they just filled out that request a consultation form. Okay. Um, so that was a really, and that's what I talked about in my presentation at Brewing Marketing and Sales Success in 2016. Very simple approach uh, to understanding what really made a, a sales lead qualified. Nice. And since you mentioned before we press record here that you guys have kind of gone through some some tweaking and optimizing around your lead scoring strategy, do you mind sharing like what those things are and what led to those tweaks? For sure. Um, so, you know, Messing around with the database, we were basically able to um, get two to four uh, more exploratory calls scheduled per week by doing this prospecting activity and by leveraging the lead scoring we have in place. We had in place at that time. What we wanted to do is say we know we can get more out of this database, but we also want to be able to qualify these leads even further. So we basically looked at it from a top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, and bottom of the funnel perspective and started by standardizing those forms across our site. 
Okay. So from a top of the funnel perspective, we're only asking for, I believe it's three or four fields, first name, last name, email, maybe website. Um, and I probably want to confirm this with Kyle, who's managing a lot of this, but uh, that's our top of the funnel form, and it's for any you know, top of the funnel offer we have on our site. Then we've standardized our middle of the funnel form, and they're progressive, so they won't ask those first questions again. It'll just ask for, I believe it's uh, you know, role, uh, company, and then maybe a couple other forms. And again, on the bottom of the funnel, we ask for more additional form fields to qualify them even further. Yeah. Um, and then we've adjusted uh, our lead scoring to make it a, a little bit more complex, but still try to keep it simple. And again, this was in an effort to qualify the leads even more before Kyle would have to reach out to them. Um, so at the top of the funnel, and I'll give you some examples of the points that we're, we're using here. So uh, for top of the funnel, anyone that downloads uh, a top of the funnel offer or visits our subdomain where those top of the funnel, funnel offers live hmm. will get 10 points. And the interesting thing is we don't give them more points if they download more top of the funnel stuff. So if they download one or 10, they still only get 10 points. Okay. Um, and the reason is because after you know downloading those things, you still don't know if they're just trying to learn from you, or if they're really qualified for, or they're really trying to move forward in this in the process. Sure. Yeah. Are they just soaking up info? Exactly. Exactly. So the next layer of points comes in the middle of the funnel when they start to visit pages we would con- we would deem consideration stage pages. So that's um, our why inbound page, our inbound ROI. Um, and in our team pages as well. So we add um, a certain number of points for that. I think it's around 20 or 30. And once that lead reaches 50 points, we deem them marketing qualified. Okay. And at that point in time, it's up to Kyle to go in and sort in the HubSpot CRM and say, anyone who's reached this lead status deserves my attention, and I will determine. And this is the big difference. Instead of the system determining if it's sales qualified, uh, sorry, Kyle will be the person to go in there and say, okay, based on this criteria I've been able to gather within uh, within HubSpot, this person is definitely worth a conversation. Okay. Um, so he'll you know, initiate uh, a lot of the prospecting emails that we've built and uh, try to create that conversation between that prospect and myself. Awesome. So you've actually you've implemented some more technical things but actually made it a more personal I guess it's a subjective process now because Kyle's the one looking at the websites determining you know, who should Tom talk to next. You're absolutely right. Once they reach that, that 50 mark, um, it's his trigger to sort by that number and time last seen and say, who's the most recent person on our site that's just triggered marketing qualified status? And are they worthy of a conversation with Tom? Which sounds really selfish, but uh, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. I mean, you only have so many hours in a day, so you obviously want to maximize those exploratory calls. Do you guys have a um, – I kind of want to give people kind of a picture of your funnel. When you look at your growth goals for a quarter, are you trying to schedule a certain number of exploratory calls each quarter in order to hit those numbers? Or how does Kyle know as he's working through things what he's supposed to be doing? Yeah, man. Um, so for for as long as I can remember – and this was a, a tip from our – um, from Kevin Linehan over at HubSpot, who when I first started in sales was a, a, a big mentor for me. Um, he was like, you should be having 10 exploratory calls every week. Um, and what we've noticed is that by having those 10, 
it really fills up the pipeline. Um, it keeps me super busy, uh, but it gives me the right number of goal setting and planning calls, which are the next step um, to, and then that number of goal setting and planning calls gives me the, the right number of proposals that it should be sending each week. So just a quick breakdown, uh, eight to 10 exploratory calls per week, uh, four to six goal setting calls, and one to two proposals delivered per week are the numbers that we, that we look for. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so now let's switch a little bit uh, to personnel side. Can you mm-hmm. talk about like kind of scoping the responsibilities for the BDR position and what led you to Kyle specifically? Was that an internal um, move or did he come from outside? Kind of walk us through that, that process of finding the right team member to fill that void. Yep, for sure. So Kyle was, a, was an outside hire. And um, he, he's a clever kid, man, let me tell you. So he actually forced us to have a conversation with him because he was so compelling in his um, applications and emails to the company. And I'd have to ask Natalie what he said exactly. Um, but he literally sold himself to her. And it was that type of um, engagement, right, that led us yeah. to say, this guy needs to come in here. We need to talk to him. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I wish I could remember the quote he had in there, but it was really, really good. So uh, at the beginning of the process, um, Bob runs an activity uh, with each new hire, and it's basically an exploratory call activity um, where we test out their ability to ask questions, their ability to listen, and then provide recommendations um, at the end of the call. Now, granted, it was just for a... a um, uh, not just for, but it was for a, a prospecting role, right? And they're not necessarily going to have those types of conversations. But we knew that if they had the ability to do that, they could have really solid communication skills at the beginning of the process. Okay, yeah. Um, so those were some real, you know, he, he did really well on that call. It showed a lot of promise. And from that point, we knew he'd be the right person for, for the job. Um, a couple of things that really sealed the deal um, he had owned a very small uh, agency prior to coming to Impact. So he had experience in website development. He had experience in you know, marketing and using WordPress and using technologies that we're talking about and using today. So he understood the language. I will say, again, in full transparency, that, that we've hired salespeople in the past that couldn't really use any terms besides inbound marketing best practices because they didn't grow up in it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something we learned very, very early on. And and Kyle was light years beyond that and had uh, the knowledge from having actually done it himself. So that was a a huge uh, selling point for that type of role, Uh, being being tech savvy there, having the excellent communication skills, experience working in the similar industry. Um, And the other great thing was that Kyle was actually an engineering student. So Mm -hmm. he's very process formula and numbers oriented, which, which is really applicable because in the prospecting seat, it's all about activity. Um, now, granted, our, our goal here is to try to make it uh, as, as quality as possible for the person on the other end of that email. But at the same time, that activity really drives the results. Sure. Um, so he actually developed his own tracking scorecard um, as a result of the goals that we had set for him. So it's kind of that forward thinker, uh, you know, I'm going to get this shit done um, and I want you to hold me accountable for it. Um, and in, in regards to kind of the beginning part of that conversation where I said he, he did well in that exploratory process, 
Um, another thing that we really looked for was could he support, if needed, other parts of the sales process? Sure. And based on his performance on that, we knew that he could. And within the first three months, he actually closed some deals of his own. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was really fantastic. And, and I would say that those are, well, those are really key elements that you'd probably want somebody in that BDR role. That is awesome. So when you think of like an, um, kind of the everyday for the BDR, um, is he only like kind of working your database or is there any amount of time during his day where he's focusing on content creation or uh, reaching out to folks that are not in the database right now? Um, is there any, any other types of activities that are kind of core to that role? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so him and I blocked out what his schedule looks like, and most of his prospecting is happening between the hours of 8 a.m. and 11 a.m., and also in the afternoon from 3.30 to around 5, uh, where people are just checking their email in the morning and just checking their email before they head home. Um, in between there, uh, we, we did, as part of his objectives for the quarter, make sure that he was publishing content for our, our blog. And there were two reasons for that. One, um, we want to make sure we're publishing two articles a day because we're crazy like that. And two, um, we knew that it'd be great for him to start generating some thought leadership. So when he's talking to prospects, he can say, hey, I wrote this article and it really applies to you guys. Um, and that really builds trust during, during that process. Um, but also in between you know, the hours of 11 and 3 or 11 and 4, um, He's doing a lot of you know, list building in, in the CRM. So how can I uh, you know, maybe uh, build a list that only focuses on an industry that we really want to focus uh, attack right now? Um, you know, what other prospecting emails can I build as a template? Uh, it turns out that using this subject line has worked so well in my previous prospect emails that I'm going to make a template around that. Yeah. And also identifying that most of the people that we're talking to have very similar pain points. So, you know, why not create templates around those pain points, right? Like content generation or SEO or conversion optimization. And that's what the middle of the day is, is really for, for him. Okay. Awesome. So we're making sure that we're reaching out and moving things forward, but also looking in to make sure the system's optimized. I think that's an awesome balance. Mm -hmm. Um, can you talk about kind of the whole sales team? Uh, is it just the two of you working, working the sales process right now, or are there other folks involved as well? Um, for new business, it's really just Kyle and I. And uh, Bob, you know, uh, our CEO, Bob, is, is very connected and um, will we'll work some referrals that come in in many cases. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, the top, middle, and bottom of the funnel are handled by um, Kyle and I. Um, and on the existing business side, uh, typically it's Vin, our creative supervisor, um, who's managing a lot of the upsells. Okay. And are those, I'm always curious about how agencies manage this, is, is Vin kind of regularly interfacing with those clients or is it an outside conversation that leads to an upsell or like growing that portfolio of business? That's a really good question. I wish it was the latter, right? I wish it was that you know, I wish it could be more of the latter where, you know, people have time to stop and say, you know what, I have a really great solution for that client. I know I, how I can help them get closer to that KPI above and beyond the program we already have set. But for the most part, it's, it's been having his hands in a certain project and saying, well, I, I know this, this client could use uh, some more growth driven design strategy because they want the site developed faster, but we don't want to overwrite some of the inbound tactics we're doing for that particular month. Yeah. So those are the things that he's noticing and saying, I'm going to put together a small program 
uh, and upsell that to their existing retainer. Awesome. And you guys have rolled out recently um, kind of like a blog redesign package slash product. Um, can you give us a little bit of background on kind of the strategy behind behind that push and where are you kind of looking uh, for that to, to go? Yeah. Um, so what, what we really wanted to do there was lower the barrier of entry to work with impact and to give people the same type of optimization, quote unquote, results you'll see. Um, and I say that because um, by redesigning someone's sites, you can affect certain areas of it, right? Like some people will see uh, an optimization in uh, the visibility into certain posts, while others will see, you know, more clicks uh, on some of their calls to action. Some will get more subscribers. Um, But what we wanted to do was was be able to translate some of the successes we've seen with our new blog design to our our clients and new clients um, and really uh, make it easy for them to say, hey, I've already worked with Impact. I have my blog redesigned by them. Why not continue the relationship with, um, you know, some some inbound marketing strategy or a full site redesign? Sure. Um, and we're actually calling that our tripwire, okay. uh, which is that uh, you know you just have a small engagement up front that will lead to to hopefully lead to larger engagements down the road. That is fantastic. One thing I really respect about the way you guys do business is you can just hear like through this whole conversation the value of doing marketing religiously for yourselves. Because if you didn't, you wouldn't have that database of, what, 30,000 folks for Kyle to be working. Mm-hmm. Um, and then investing in the marketing seems to teach you guys so much about how, what works well that you can then apply to your clients and then roll out into a um, kind of a gateway product like this. It's just really cool to see how those, those investments layer on top of each other. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. That's, that's exactly right. It's, um, you know, it really comes down to testing, right? You know, when we eliminated the sidebar on our blog and, uh, you know, back in the day, we, we weren't really sure if that was going to work right away, but we figured why not, you know, pay our marketing people to do it versus have the client pay us to do that. Then we can really transfer that value uh, right away and say, hey, this is the smart thing for you guys to do. That's real cool. Um, mm-hmm. can, you, can you walk us through some of the tools that you guys are using through this process from the prospecting side down to um, kind of the sales conversation and then the proposal slash contract section? What are the what's kind of the tool mix that you guys are working right now to make sure that this all flows seamlessly? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so our technology stack is really comprised of of the HubSpot suite of things. So when we start at the way top of the funnel, um, all of our leads are generated through HubSpot's marketing automation platform, um, and are then fed into the HubSpot CRM, which we're totally vested in. Um, we're converts from Salesforce and found that. Um, you know, it didn't really make sense for us to pay uh, all that money per month to use seven out of the hundred thousand things that it does. <laughs> uh, no offense <laughs> to anyone using it, um, but we found that switching over that you know the HubSpot CRM is a sales tool for salespeople versus a sales manager. Mm-hmm. Um, so it made it really easy for us to uh, you know spend time in there. Right? You know, it doesn't become a burden anymore. We actually enjoy recording our notes and making calls through it. Um, so what happens is those, those, as those leads get fed into the CRM, uh, Kyle's using his, uh, the lead scoring we have set up uh, to segment those uh, contacts into first uh, by are they the marketing qualified status and then also by time last seen. And the CRM gives us insight to say this person has just been on your site today. 
um, and they're worth uh, being reached out to right now because the sooner they are, uh, or the, the, I guess the most recent time they've been on your site, the more top of mind you are to them. Sure. Um, so we'll send that email right within uh, the HubSpot platform. And because it's connected to, you know, we have Kyle and myself as users uh, with the HubSpot sales tool, which is another part of the technology stack, uh, we're able to save those emails as templates and reuse them. Uh, we're also able to set up sequences so we can automate uh, that process as well. Um, and Kyle's been putting a huge push on developing, um, you know, three to five touch emails nice. uh, so that, that are dispersed and uh, basically giving us uh, the ability to, to prospect more of a similar quality over time. Awesome. So. Um, those are basically the, the sales end of it towards the, the top and middle of the funnel. As we move towards the bottom, um, I'm creating proposals with something called Quote Roller, which was the precursor to PandaDoc, which I'm sure a lot of people have had. Um, and the, guy, the, the poor sales guy from PandaDoc, he's been trying to have a conversation with me for like three weeks now. <laughs> um, and I've been so busy that I keep having to push him off. And I'm like, man, I would hate if somebody was doing this to me. But he's been pretty cool about it. Uh, my main goal is to get over to PandaDoc because it integrates very nicely with HubSpot. Okay. So I'll know um, when I send a proposal if somebody opens it, and that will get recorded onto their contact record. And I believe PandaDoc, if somebody accepts your proposal, it will automatically update that contact record from an opportunity to a customer. Nice. Um, I believe. Uh, I'll find that out once I have uh, that <laughs> meeting with the guy, and I'll, I'll report back to you. Perfect. Yeah. Well, that's neat. You guys definitely have a system in place, um, and I'm sure that everyone listening here is just taking wicked notes right now, trying to keep track of the whole process. Um, and I think that's one takeaway I have from here is the power of process, that if you put a system in place and then you're disciplined to execute that system, it's going to deliver results at the end of the day. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Tom, thank you so much for coming on and just sharing kind of a window into your process. It's been great to to hear how you guys do things. Um, if folks are kind of looking for more information from you or they'd like to reach out with a question, what's the best way that they can get in touch? Yeah, I think the, the best way would be uh, to find me on Twitter, at Tom DiCipio, T-O-M-D-I-S-C-I-P-I-O. Um, and you can feel free to email me directly, tdiscipio at impactbnd.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tom. Yeah, you got it, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.